0: This is your boy, Scott Thomas, and this is a special edition of Learning As I Go. Over the next couple of weeks, we're gonna be giving you an introduction to some of my favorite podcast episodes from across the whole well, the whole series, all three of them, one, two, and three. And I've definitely got my favorites for various different reasons, and this lady is definitely up there. Her name's Steph Ellswood. She's a really wholesome, good vibes, kind of influencer. And if you've not followed her just yet, make sure you do because she's just a little inspiration. On this episode, she opens up so much about her past struggles. You will not ever think it, but believe it or not, she used to have an eating disorder and it really did kind of plague her life. But she overcame that and she's now thriving. And not only that, she's even gone sober and is inspiring so many other people to do so too. Me being one of them. She just had a massive impact on my whole outlook on life. So please, get ready to sit back, listen, and tune in to another life lesson with Steph Ellswood. Welcome to my podcast, I feel very privileged to have you here, so welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. Honestly, like, there's not many people who inspire me on social media, because sometimes I think I follow a load of people, it's kind of like part of my job as well as social PR, but with you, I actually generally follow you for just wholesome, inspirational content. You make me feel good when I watch your stuff, and I think one thing that really resonates with me about your journey... Is your relationship to alcohol, um, which is something that I still quite struggle with, if I'm honest. Mm -hmm. Trying to find that balance. And I know that you've been sober for how long now? Just over three years. So you've been sober for three years. And what made you make that decision?
1: I think it was a long time coming. Just because I started going out when I was like 16, fake IDs, going out with friends that were older than me, drinking before I should. I loved a party. I, I wouldn't say that I'd go out and get like paralytic every night, but I'd go out and party a lot. And I'd have an amazing time. I'd love every second of it, but it was the following morning. It would always be like I'd get a raised heart rate or I'd feel really anxious. And it's that anxiety feeling that a lot of people relate to. And I'd always be like, oh God, what did I do? What did I say? And I never would have done anything bad, but it's that overthinking. And and that would last for like three or four days. So I went away on holiday and I just thought, I'm not going to drink the whole time. And in situations where I'd usually have a cocktail or a glass of wine I'll have a coconut water or something else and see how I go and I came back from that and I was like I feel amazing for not drinking I don't feel like I've missed out I still feel like I can be myself on a night out let's see how long this goes so I started going out with the same groups of friends and enjoying myself to the same level but without feeling awful the next day and then I went to Portugal on a family holiday we went out once and I just felt awful we were on the actual night which was the first time that had ever happened and when we're out in the club, I felt unsafe or I felt out of control of my body because I'd not drunk for a few months. I didn't like, you know, the, after the first drink, you get that lightheaded, buzz, tipsy feeling that's so much fun. It was the first time in my life that I didn't enjoy that feeling and I felt really out of control. So I just thought, what would happen if I gave up completely, told people about it, said it was a decision I was making and went from there? And all of my friends were so respectful. At first they were obviously like, oh, just have one or whatever. And now when I go out and say that I don't drink, the amount of conversations that start from that sentence of I don't drink, not I don't drink or I'm not drinking tonight. When I say those words, people are like, wow, tell me your story, tell me why, I really want to cut it out too and it's amazing how many people drink because they feel like they have to or drink because they feel like they need to be confident or they're scared that their friendship groups will change and I haven't found any of that and never say never but I don't think I'll look back.
0: Wow that's incredible um, and I feel, I feel like the most important thing you just said then for me anyways the confidence thing because it's so weird I, I find that I'm so confident in this situation right now, mm-hmm. I can walk into a room full of like so many people and be quite confident. But when I when it comes to going on a night out, I feel like I need that social lubricant to kind yeah. of be myself. You've shown that and documented on your social media that look, I'm out here having a great time. I can be stupid, I can be silly, I can be fun without having a drink. And for me, it's like, how do you get to that point of just losing those sort of like, for example, alcohol makes you lose your inhib- inhibitions, right? Mm-hmm. How do you get to that point without alcohol? Like, How did you get to that level?
1: I think it's work that I've done throughout every aspect of my life though, because I think going back a few years, like I was a very insecure person, obviously still have insecurities now, but I think because of doing that work outside of drinking situations and trying to not care what other people think of me in those situations, it's now going into a club environment, a party environment, a bar environment and thinking, I know who I am as a person, like, I'm confident with who I am, I'll still make the same jokes whether I'm sober or drunk, and I think it has just come with doing it more and more and more and more, Um, but also I now know where I sit within a friendship group, like, if my friends want to go out, not that many of them do, but if they wanted to go out on, like, a massive bender, take loads of drugs, drink loads of alcohol, I'm probably not the person they're going to call. And I know that now, whereas I think when you're younger and you're navigating this journey, you want to be all things to everyone. So you'd go out and maybe say yes to drinking with friends because you think that's what everyone else wants. When actually, majority of the time, people want to let loose, escape reality for a little while. If work is stressful or relationships is stressful, have a laugh with friends. And you can still do all of that without alcohol.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I spent pretty much the whole of my 20s being a professional party boy. I used to throw parties for a living. And I feel like at first it was fun and drinking was just part of that process. But over time I realized why I started drinking to excess was because everyone would come into my night and they they would like VIP bands, they would want my attention. And it got Mm -hmm. to the point where I was like, I can't deal with you guys. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to drink to oblivion so that you can't even communicate with me anymore. And I remember that and it kind of escalated into a lifestyle where it became out of control. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a massive culture in this country when anything good happens or anything bad happens. Like if you get a new job or it's your birthday, you go out, you get steaming. Mm -hmm. If someone dies, you get steaming. Like it's a weird culture of like self-sabotage. And I feel like you are so unique when really, for me, this is how everybody should be. But like you said before, like if you say that you don't drink, you're almost like, not an alien, but it's, it's like a massive topic of conversation. And it's so interesting that you say, for example, I don't drink anymore compared to I'm not drinking tonight. And I noticed that because in 2020, I went on a journey of sobriety. I went sober for 12 months and I did it off the back of a massive incident at work where I actually went to one of my biggest client events and I got escorted out and I literally lost the respect of my then business partner, my team were all looking at me. It was just really embarrassing. And I knew that I needed to make a change. And I did, I went sober for that year and I never said I was going to go sober completely because I didn't want to put pressure on myself. Mm -hmm. But I said, I'm going to do 12 months because I wanted to change my lifestyle. And don't get me wrong, I completely changed my lifestyle to the point where I will drink now, but it will never be two, three times a week or any event. I used to literally, anywhere I went, it was a social event I was drinking. Whereas I did that 12 months sober and it felt like I had like the limitless pill. It felt like I was unstoppable (laughs) to the point where, I managed to take over social power fully, which I never thought I'd be able to do. I launched Food for Thoughts, which is like a wellness brand, which came from that process of working on myself and everything else. But the one thing that I still can't seem to master is alcohol makes me feel like low when it's in my system. Like I'm the same as you. Like it, the anxiety is just, even when you know nothing's gone wrong. Mm-hmm. But there's, I think there's two reasons why I still want to have a drink every now and then. One, it's that social confidence, which is just mad because I am quite confident. Yeah. And two is um, that escapism from life. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why do I want to escape my life? I have a great life. But to sort of battle those two things, obviously you've worked on your your confidence a lot and we'll touch on that in a minute, but you don't like for escapism Mm -hmm. from life, like what do you do to get that same escapism?
1: I think it's still the same thing of putting myself in an environment with my closest friends and family but it's more so quality time because nine times out of 10, like there's the first stage of the night where you're all giggly and you remember everything, but then most of the memories get blocked out anyway. Like Mm. if you get to that level of intoxication where you can't remember anything, they're all blocked out. Whereas I'd much rather have all my girls over cook for them, have a night in, play some games, giggle, like whatever it is, even going out into a bar, still sitting with them, having DMCs, just without the alcohol. So I still do all the same things. Wait a
0: second. What's a DMC?
1: Deep meaningful chat.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. I'm out of the <laughs> lingo. I like that.
1: I don't know if I've ever said that as an abbreviation in real life, but wow. here we are. Is um, this a DMC? I guess so. Yeah. But I think that's the, being in the same situations as I would have done drinking. I still love going out and having a dance with everyone and taking the piss out of myself and taking the piss out of my friends and all of that kind of stuff. But... Rather than the learned behavior of grabbing a drink the moment I get somewhere to feel confident, I just grab, sometimes I'll get like a lemonade and a gin glass because no one needs to know that I'm not drinking. And then once you get through that first hour, it's fine.
0: It's funny you say that, because when when I've had like a a non-alcoholic beer or a nice gin glass and it's just a lemonade, it's kind of that placebo effects where you do feel, oh, I'm a little bit wavier, but without even having any alcohol. I know through your story as well that you weren't always super confident and you've had your own kind of difficulties. Like, so talk me through that process of where you were and how you sort of navigated to, to get that confidence.
1: Yeah, like, I, I don't think I'm still the most confident person in the world. Like I'm not, if we're in a group environment, I'm probably not the loudest one there or anything like that. Like I'll still go out and have a good time, but I wouldn't say like I'm super over the top confident. And It's something that I'm still working on, but I trained as a professional dancer I danced my whole life but I trained professionally from the age of like 13, 14 um, and I was put into a dance school environment where you do academics in the morning and then you do vocational training in the afternoon and I went from a school that had probably 120 girls in in the whole year to... A year group that was mixed with probably about 20 people in the year so it was a really 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 small school and we were all learning the same disciplines we were all fighting for parts within the end of year shows or within the industry and Mm. things like that and i just really really lost myself at that school and there was the pressure my parents said i could only go to a performing arts school if my academic grades stayed high so i had the pressure from them to keep my not in a horrible way like they're the most supportive parents in the world but I had that pressure of keeping my academics up, but then also trying to prove myself in a performing arts industry. And I think the stress of that, the pressure of that, growing into probably from like an early teenager into a late teenager, all of those stresses and pressures that you go under, it was the early starts of social media. So things like Tumblr, I don't think Instagram was a thing yet, like Bebo and Pixo and stuff. Oh, Bebo. But like where you had your picture online, Facebook was obviously being used and I just had really, really, really bad body issues from the age of about 14. And being in a dance environment, I remember one of my ballet teachers telling me I had to lose weight off of my knees because I had saggy knees, which is like, looking back, the most ridiculous comment you could ever get. But at the time... You just had
0: to digest that then. <laughs>
1: honestly, at the time, I thought it was the end of the world. I was like, I'm never going to make it as a dancer, whatever. So I struggled with an eating disorder from the whole time I was at that school. So from 13 to 16. Then I moved to go to a professional dance college, and you can do a diploma course from 16, or you can do a degree course from 18, and I was put in a year group with a lot of 16-year-olds, but also there were people in my year who were 21, who were 22, and to me they they felt like a full-grown woman, and I felt like an actual child, and I really struggled there to kind of find my voice, find myself, grow into the person that I wanted to be with the additional pressures of the industry and the kind of outdated ideologies of what a dancer should be so unfortunately I relapsed into my eating disorder in quite a bad way and it wasn't really until my second year when my favorite teacher was my tap teacher and he just pulled me to one side and he was like are you okay because I was passing out in classes because I wasn't eating my hair was falling out my skin looked gray like it's only something I see now in hindsight I didn't really realize it at the time but I had no energy I still was drinking quite a lot And I just had no confidence and I didn't know who I was as a person. I didn't know who I was when I wasn't a dancer. And then I was taken to the headmistress's office and she said, if you don't sort out what's going on here, we're going to have to ask you to leave. And I knew how much my parents had sacrificed to send me there and I knew how much I'd wanted to go there and how important it was to me. So I was really fortunate to be rushed through the NHS system. I had amazing intervention therapy at Denmark Hill at the Maudsley Hospital like I'm so grateful to them for kind of catching it early and I had this realization in a waiting room there I was literally like the lowest I'd ever been I had no confidence if you spoke to me I'd probably cry like I was so overly emotional and there was a woman in the waiting room and I think about her so much because you know when you just energetically send someone love because I don't know where she is now we never even spoke but it was a woman probably in her 50s she was smaller than me all of her teeth had fallen out she was A skeleton and I literally felt like I was looking into what my future was Um, and it was this really weird situation where I'd gone to five or six sessions I'd not wanted to speak to my therapist because I didn't think that I had a problem I hadn't admitted to myself that I had a problem and then I saw this woman and I was just like this is what will happen if I don't start speaking up about how I feel about myself if I kind of start speaking out the horrible voices that were in my head and actually accept the help that I'm being offered So then um, I was with the Maudsley probably for about a year and a half and it was incredible and I, I felt so much better. And I went out into the performing arts industry and it is just toxic. It's amazing, like the high you get from performing on stage or from filming a music video, whatever it might be, is electric. But all the bullshit that comes with it is just not worth it for me. It was destroying my sense of self. I had a horrible audition where someone called me out in front of a room of people and just completely humiliated me. And it was awful. So at the same time as going to the Maudsley for my eating disorder, I set up an Instagram page called Healthy Chef Steph that I didn't think anyone would follow. It was just posting my recipes and my food and keeping a mini food diary to try and fall in love with food again. Um, And it started to build a bit of a following. And I think by the time I made it to the performing arts industry, I had 10,000 followers, which to me was like the biggest number. This is like eight years ago. So I was like, oh my God, 10,000 people. That's crazy. And I had an opportunity to be flown to, it was Stockholm with Nike. And I was like, I either stay in London and I try an audition in this industry that makes me feel horrible about myself, or there's people following me online for recipes and fitness and all of this kind of stuff. And a major brand wants to fly me away. So I kind of sat down with my parents and I was like, look, one, I'm going to post my face on social media. And my mom was like, oh no, don't do that. Like, there's so many strangers out there. They only care about your avocado toast.
0: So at this point you hadn't posted yourself. I hadn't posted just myself, food.
1: just the food. Wow! And then we sat down and I was like, look, I know I trained my whole life to be a dancer. I've done some dream jobs in the industry that have ticked huge boxes. But now I want to go down this route and see what happens see where it takes me. And I got to shop online as myself, speaking about my journey, speaking about my eating disorder, all the mental health issues that came with that. And eight years later, here I am, I've got a following on social media that I'm really, really proud of. But so many amazing opportunities have come from me trying to show up as my authentic self and learning who that is and exploring who that is, rather than trying to fit into the box of an industry that made me miserable. And obviously there's part of me where my entire identity was held around being a dancer. If someone asked who I was, oh, I'm Steph, I'm a dancer, like that was my identity for so long. And it's been hard to kind of navigate that shift. But I'm finally, probably in the last year or so, starting to feel proud of, of where I've got to now and, and really build on the confidence that that's given me.
0: Oh, and I love the fact that you're even honest about it, it's just like in the last year or so, because people probably yeah. would have looked at your page and gone, this girl's had a shit together for so long. Whereas in reality, it's like, the reality of life is that we're all still figuring it out. And it's like, even this podcast is called "Learning As I Go because I had that great year when I went sober and I achieved so much, but I'm not the finished article, like working on your mental health, working on getting to know yourself, it's an ongoing process. And I think that's what you really do share. You kind of share that sort of honest insight into the self-development process. For me, it's just, it's that shift in identity, which I think a lot of people struggle with. Mm. And I struggled with that as well because I was known as a Scottish special. My Instagram name used to be Scottish special and the Scottish special was my alter ego on the night out. Mm-hmm. Like literally, oh, Scottish special. It's like a little weird dance that I used to do. And I used to sit down with my therapist going, I can't change. They expect me to be the guy who walks in the party and gets everyone dancing on the chairs and everything. I was like, I can't I can't lose the Scottish special. And then it's so funny. And then I went on this transition to become Scott from Food for Thoughts. And sometimes I find it hard to live up to that person, mm-hmm. like in terms of like being, I don't know, sober, perfect. Like sometimes that's why it's so important for me to share that kind of insight into, I'm not perfect. I'm not, I don't have it all figured out. I think it's such an important message you mentioned before about how it takes bravery to break away from who you think you are to become the person that you want to be. Yeah. Um, and I feel like sometimes as well, what you mentioned then, it's, sometimes it's the darkest moments that enable us to make those big changes. And do you have any regrets about that journey now? Or do you, are you actually really proud about that sort of place that you went to to become the person you are now?
1: In terms of the eating disorder side mm. of things, like it was really, really dark. Mm. Um, and like probably the hardest thing, sorry. It was really hard, but so many beautiful things. But I think the reason I'm emotional is because I know so many people will listen to this feeling lost, feeling shit. And it's so hard when you're in those darkest moments, but like coming out of it and hindsight is the most beautiful thing. And and knowing that the reason I am where I am today is because of that. The connections, the beautiful raw human connections that I've had is because of that. The reason that I pride myself on being an empathetic person is because of that. Like there's so many incredible things that came from a shit time. So if anyone feels like they're living in a shit time, you're going to ebb and flow through it all and and you'll go through dark times again but everything is ever moving and you can't experience like the highest highs without the lowest of lows and I think it's learning to know that the kind of cheesy Instagram lines of this too shall pass and all of that kind of stuff I don't think it's an Instagram line it's probably some like ancient proverb that's really profound and I've just completely (laughs) discredited it but you know what I mean and I think that is the beauty of life and knowing that if you hit a rock bottom you don't have to live there I think it's so important to feel all of your feelings like I just apologized for tearing up but like feel those feelings and know that it's all a process and all a learning and it's just going to help you grow to become a better version of you but also a better friend companion colleague son daughter whatever that might be
0: Wow, I just feel like you've just spoken to me then because I'm going through a little bit of a, a little transition in my life right now and I'm the most, well, I try to be the most positive guy in the world but sometimes it's kind of hard to put things in perspective. I know, for example, when I went through that period of getting scored out of my work event and at that low moment, that's the moment that literally led me to changed my whole entire life and i think such an important message to put out to everyone that this too shall pass it is so true and you've gone on to to create this amazing life for yourself and you should be so proud and i've seen like some of the work that you've done for example let's talk about stay sassy so you've been for this dance career and then you've moved away from it but then you've kind of gone 360 and come back to it in a way that's on your terms and that's Mm -hmm. powerful and that's empowering women now so talk to me about stay sassy what is that
1: so stay sassy is if someone asks me what's the one thing that you're most proud of, it is 100% stay sassy because of the reason why it was born. My nan, who is my mum's mum, passed away in 2016. But she lived with us for a short period of time before she passed away. And in that time, she became literally my best friend. We were inseparable. It was back when Snapchat was huge and she had a little bit of a following on Snapchat. No and I used to call her the queen of sass. She used to say stay sassy in any context where you'd usually say I love you because she thought as a generation we overused the term I love you. I'd walk from the living room to the kitchen and be like, bye, Nan, love you. And she thought that it lost its meaning. So she would say stay sassy Every night before bed, but also if ever I filmed her on Snapchat as a little sign off, she'd say, Stay sassy, like Bruce Forsyth on Strictly Come Dancing. Why Um, do I feel
0: like I want to go, like, stay sassy like this? Honestly, (laughs) she used to click like this,
1: and if she couldn't click, she'd like lick her fingers and go,
0: Oh my God. She was so sweet and amazing.
1: amazing. And like, she wasn't the most confident woman in the world, but I just, I loved her energy, and I'd always call her babe, and she'd just crack up. Anyway, it was. Probably a few months before she passed away, she asked me why I wasn't dancing anymore. And I told her that I'd had a horrible audition experience and it had knocked my confidence and I didn't feel confident to dance. And she was the first person who just said, that's stupid. Everyone else would be like, do what you wanna do, follow your dreams, blah, blah, blah. She was like, that is stupid. The whole time that I have known you, the whole time you've been alive, you have danced. You have loved it. You loved that way of expressing yourself or losing yourself in movement. Why would you let one person's opinion or two people's opinion stop you from doing the thing that you love? And I was like, man, you've got a point. So I started to think about it a lot and it took a few months to build up the courage, but I started to go to open classes in London. There's loads of studios, but they can be really, really intimidating to walk into if if you're not in the industry or not professionally trained or something. Mm -hmm. So I was like, do you know what? I'm just gonna do it. I started going to open classes and I started to get videos and post them on social media as I was kind of documenting my recovery journey. And so many people were asking me to put on a class and my biggest fear was putting on a dance class that someone would come to and then feel guilt, shame, embarrassment, self-consciousness, whatever it might be. And I'd hate for them to criticise themselves and leave feeling lower than when they walked in. So I was toying around with this idea of kind of putting on a mental health event that involved dancing. So speaking about dancing teaching a routine, and then getting in a guest speaker who was qualified, because obviously I wasn't qualified. I'd been through issues, but I'm still not qualified now to talk about it. I can only really use anecdotes and my experience. So I was like, imagine if we got someone in to then do a, a talk afterwards. So when my nan passed away, she was cared for by St. Christopher's Hospice, who are absolutely incredible. They came morning and night to help change her, feed her, do all the things that she was embarrassed for my mum to do. And it made the end of her life so enjoyable and my mum's life so much easier as we kind of sent her on her way and she actually passed away in St. Christopher's Hospice. So I knew I wanted to put on an event to raise money for them but I'd never done anything like it before. I was scared that maybe all my followers were fake and no one would turn up. So I chose the smallest venue I could that only held about 25 people. I made the tickets live, explained a little bit about what the event was going to be and it was just going to be a one-off event and we sold out in 15 minutes and I wow. couldn't believe it and I was so excited. And we went about the event and it was the most beautiful day I think I'd ever had. I'd never had an experience, this is back in 2017, I'd never had an experience of like a women's circle before or that kind of community event where women share things openly. But literally, after we'd learnt the routine, which I taught in a really fun, easy way, We all gathered and there were two guest speakers and we all were so safe to speak about such raw, vulnerable topics and it was so powerful and I just felt electric afterwards. I felt like I'd had such beautiful connections with every woman in that room. They'd felt seen, heard, appreciated. We all cried and it was just beautiful. And I said to mum, I was like, I can't stop this. Something today was was born that was absolutely gorgeous. We had a framed picture of my nan in the corner. We had food prepared in the room as well so that anyone who had issues with food was already in that safe environment to eat in public and all of those things that I felt so much guilt and shame for previously. And I was like, let's, let's do this again. So we picked a slightly bigger venue that held 50 people and then grew it and grew it and grew it. And that was back in 2017. And now we're getting to... 80 to 100 women per event. We're replicating that gorgeous safe space. We teach the routine. We allow women to show up. They don't have to wear high heels, so I teach women how to walk in high heels as well because I feel feel like there's a different element when you put on a pair of high heels and you, you own yourself a little bit taller, you stand a bit taller. It's always a fun routine. It's super easy. we get in a guest speaker every time and now we raise money for different charities. So girls that have been to the event before can recommend a charity that is dear to their hearts. Um, It's all non-profit and it is genuinely the most amazing feeling to know that this little catchphrase that my nan used in our house has now turned into this gorgeous community of women that just want to move their bodies because... They want to show up for themselves and forget if they're a mum or they've got horrible bosses or use it as an escape. And I'll kind of catchphrase now as you walk in shy and leave on a high, and it is just honestly the best feeling.
0: Oh, wow. I feel like you're like the queen of like catchphrases and oh, like, <laughs> like, like, literally. You. But honestly, there's no better feeling than helping people. And I think something you mentioned then is so important like, stay sassy being a safe place. And i just done a retreat um, at a beautiful place uh, called Farborough Hall in the Lake District. And it was like 36 women who came and, and it was with Food forts, and it was like, and what I noticed is that these people in their day-to-day lives, they don't have a safe place mm-hmm. to just be themselves, unapologetically themselves. And why do you think that is in day-to-day life that literally we, we walk in somewhere and it's, and even in life sometimes people ask you, how are you? Yeah, I'm fine.
1: I obviously don't know the actual answer but my take on that is we obviously live with this internal monologue within our brains right and i think it's something like you have 80 percent of the same thoughts day on day so if they're negative they're inside your brain ticking away the whole time mm. and i don't know if that stats even right but it's something around there and if you're saying all these negative things i know for a fact that i got used to just saying these negative things to myself like walking past a mirror and being like you're an ugly piece of shit or you're not successful or whatever it might be and you almost block them out so when you hear someone speaking about how great they're doing and whatever, you think, oh, God, well, they're not having the thoughts that I'm having. But because you're not open to speaking about it and they're not open to speaking about it, sometimes it does just take the confidence to be like, how are you really? Just adding that one word to be like, how are you really? And I think as we grow up, we, we pick up all of this baggage. I heard a, a phrase recently that was so true, like we're born as this gorgeous, pure blank canvas and you want to paint with all of these bright colors and sunshine, yellows, flowers, but someone will come along with a paintbrush and say something and just splatter your canvas with black paint and you can't move it. And it's like, well, if I wipe away the black, it's going to get rid of all the flowers. So I'm just going to leave it there. And you just block it out and don't think anything of it. But that happens daily, weekly from friends, family, colleagues, social media, whatever it might be, you get these little black splatters of paint on your canvas And you carry that and then suddenly you've got all of these deep ingrained thoughts and belief systems that you believe to be so true that are actually just projections of other people's opinions. Mm. So it it takes work to rewire those to then be like, okay, how do I get myself, maybe not back to that sunshine canvas because it might take some time to do that, but just clean away some of that dirty paint to Mm. be able to have the confidence to show up in front of someone and be like, do you know what? I'm not feeling great right now. And that takes a lot of courage. Mm. And I think it's just trying to create that safe space for yourself and then inviting in a friend to do the same.
0: Mm. And that that really brings me on to um, your next project that's just been launched now. I actually went on another men's retreat and one of the sort of um, slogans of that trip was, you are enough. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's such a good mentality to have that literally in this day and age, well, in this world that we live in, we're all made to feel like we're not enough. Like I'm constantly chasing I'm chasing for more money, for more followers, for more love and admiration from people. I'm a bit of a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. And I have to check myself every now and, and go, like, Scott, that's okay. And that can come as a byproduct of just being happy and, and, and like working on yourself rather than constantly chasing to feel enough. So obviously you've launched this new platform now which is called Enough. Mm-hmm. Does that embody that sort of sentiment? What's it involved?
1: So enough is an all-in-one mental health and wellness journey for everyday women and we wanted to create somewhere that was an app online that not only educated you on how to lead a healthy lifestyle but in a really unintimidating way there's some incredible apps out there like I I don't slate anyone else's apps but a lot of them require you to have high levels of motivation high levels of discipline and a lot of the time it's gorgeous girls in lycra Mm. and I think there's definitely a place for them and there's a reason why they're so successful and there's a reason why people get addicted to them Mm. but there's a huge demographic of people that aren't being represented or aren't being seen or being on wait lists for the NHS for six months to see someone to listen to them because Mm. they might not have friends or family or they really need intervention therapy so where do you turn to in that time? So over the last two and a half years, um, there's a team of us, of experts, because like I said, I've got all of the questions, but I don't necessarily have all of the answers, to build a step-by-step educational journey to be able to form teeny tiny habits that make you feel like you're winning. Because a lot of these apps, as amazing as they are, You could try and do a 25-minute HIIT class, but if you've never exercised before, you're going to leave feeling like a failure. Or if you do it consistently for a week and then you miss a week, you're going to feel like a failure. So we wanted to create somewhere where you feel like a winner every day and you log on. There's a beautiful onboarding process that is extremely exposing and we ask a lot of questions, but that is just to kind of make you aware. I don't wanna give away too much because the onboarding is so beautiful in the sense that it makes you feel something, but then we introduce the safe space that we've created. And then from there, you log on daily, And there's a three to five minute written lesson. And it's written in a way with, I love a pun. So there's so many puns. There's humour. We touch on dark topics and a lot of, of mental health topics. But in a really fun and approachable way. So that although you're growing and expanding, you don't leave feeling deflated. And you log on, you do that lesson. It takes three to five minutes reading time. And then there is a content hub. So there's workouts starting as small as one minute just for anyone that's not worked before, learning how to do a squat or doing squats for a minute and being like, that's enough for me. Mm. I'm enough, that's enough, move on. There's over a million recipes, which is something we're really, really proud of. It's all got filters that are gold, silver and bronze because we're always going to award you for eating, for making something for yourself, for fueling your body. But there's loads of different filters depending on how long you have to prepare the meal, even searching specific ingredients, whatever it might be. There's guided meditations, but our entire ethos is the fact that you, as you are right now, are enough. You're completely enough in the world, showing up as you are. But if you would like to make slight tiny changes to your lifestyle or even understand the way that you're thinking so you can even challenge a thought, join us, check in for a lesson. You can track your stress, your confidence, your steps, your water, whatever it might be, just to be able to have something to keep you accountable. And we're hoping to just unpack a lot of the diet culture that we're forced and all of these societal pressures that aren't realistic, we're just trying to just myth bust them all with expert advice in your pocket if you can't get access to therapy.
0: Honestly, sign me up. Sounds (laughs) amazing. It sounds amazing. And I feel like you're so clear. Like sometimes it's hard when you've got a new business or a brand to try and articulate what it is. But with you, it's obviously really clear what your mission is. And it comes from your own journey in the same way like Food Forks represents that for me, like in terms of the work that we're doing. But like working on yourself, self-development, everything else, it's a process. What techniques do you use on a daily basis to keep yourself in check?
1: I'm not the best at meditating. I'm quite, um, my mind is in quite high arousal all day. Like I'm very creative. I'm I'm always thinking about things. Um, My brain is always going. (laughs) So to meditate, that just amplifies everything. I'm like, shit, I've not done the washing. Oh God, I've got a call in five minutes. Oh God, how long has it been? Three minutes, four minutes? This is boring. What am I doing? Am Am I breathing really loud? Like all of these thoughts drop in when I'm meditating. And I know that is the discipline of practicing it. But for me, every morning, as soon as I get up, I put on socially acceptable clothes that are usually like pajama bottoms and a hoodie trainers and I just go on a 10 minute walk around where I live and in that 10 minutes I try and be as present as possible like we have so many magpies near us and I always think oh how many magpies are there today and just that element is still practicing mindfulness but without trying to be in a state of meditation which I probably could benefit from but I prefer to do it in a moving environment where I'm thinking about everything that I'm seeing giving awareness to each thought and I think that's a great way of practicing mindfulness Um, so that's something that really works for me and then also healthy food I actually enjoy a lot Um, I know it's not for everyone but for me cooking a healthy meal I find is is a practice of self-care for my routine I do love to move my body I don't put pressure on myself if I miss a day I'm like it is what it is Um, but it's all of these rituals that I've built over time that suit me suit my lifestyle that I actually enjoy I don't particularly love running I do if I'm doing it with friends but by myself I don't love it so that's not something that I'm striving towards because why would I force myself to do something that I don't enjoy dancing dance classes all of those things I thrive I love that's the way I move my body and it's finding those things that light you up that will then keep you consistent if you try and force too much, that's when it's so easy to, to slip up or to, to fall off the bandwagon, which is a phrase I absolutely hate, but it's just, yeah, that's probably that's my main such advice. such a good way
0: to describe it, that there's not a one size fits all when it comes to looking after yourself. It's all mm-hmm. about what makes you feel alive and, and that suits your kind of personality. Uh, and you just touched on food as well before. So your plant-based, is that right? Yeah. And how did that happen? When When did that sort of become a part of your life in terms of that transition?
1: Um, it's really funny because none of my friends saw it coming. None of my family saw it coming. If I was hungry, I'd snack on a pack of ham. So to have gone from like that extreme to another is just crazy. I do love
0: snacking on a bit of ham in, in the fridge, yeah. I do Sometimes
1: love- I look at it and I'm like, oh, I miss you. But do you know what it is? When I had my eating disorder, like I demonized so many foods and majority of them were carbohydrates, were sweet sugary foods whatever it might be and I was just I was sold this dream that all you need is protein to look lean the same that men get forced as well to look lean to have a six pack whatever it might be protein 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 so then I watched a documentary that actually made me go vegetarian because I cried the whole time. It was actually about the environment rather than the killing of animals, and I was like, "Oh Wait, God!" Which was that? Was um, it? Cowspiracy. Right. Okay. And I watched it and I cried and I thought I cried at a lot of things. <laughs> hence this podcast. <laughs> um, but if I cried at something, like surely I should try my bit to see if I can do it. So this was on a trip in the Isle of Wight with a friend, and I came home and I was like, "Mum, we're not eating meat anymore. We're vegetarian." She was like babes it's been 72 hours like calm down you're not this preachy vegetarian I was like yeah fair anyway I kept consistent with that for six months and I loved being so inventive with what I could replace meat with and suddenly I was eating all of these fear foods and all of these trigger foods that I'd been scared of for so long and I was thinking unintentionally this has been the healthiest relationship with food that I've ever had because I'm not restricting I'm eating for the planet rather than how I look or the pressures that I feel under and then veganuary came around in the january and i was like Do you know what i'm going to try it for a month i was scared because i was like is this another form of restriction is this another way of managing an eating disorder but i'm just disguising it as something that looks a little bit healthier but i was aware of that and i tried veganuary and i loved it like i didn't i've never had so much energy in my life i still ate everything that i loved but i was eating pretty much carbs all the time and I was like this is so freeing to know that I have this much energy I feel this alive I'm eating all of these fear foods and I've just not looked back since and I'd never sit here and preach to be plant-based to anyone because one I think it can be really triggering two it takes a lot of preparation three it takes a lot of learning how to make things fast and all of that so if someone's working a 14 hour day and then they come home and have to look after their kids I'm not going to be like you should go plant-based because sometimes it's just not that easy. It can be expensive when you first start, when you're learning to use the meat substitutes rather than, I don't know, a 60p can of chickpeas, whatever it might be. So it's something that I'm very passionate about, but I'd never preach on anyone. And it's something that's slotted into my journey so easily. So now when I share recipes online... It's plant-based, but it's to be like, this is bloody delicious. I now eat to enjoy food rather than to be scared of it. Try this recipe and you'll really enjoy it. And so many meat eaters will be like, look, I'm still eating steak six times a week, but I made your vegan cupcakes and they were great. And to me, that's a massive success. I don't think I'd ever want to preach for the whole world to be plant-based or vegan or whatever. But yeah, that's, that's been my journey and I, I don't think I'll look back.
0: That's amazing. And I think it's such a good point that you mentioned that we live in quite a restrictive society around food. And food is the key to happiness. Like literally the way you fuel your body, like literally like feeds your mind, everything. Mm -hmm. And I think like the work that you're doing on that is is so important. I'm just sat here that blown away. Like literally you are so wholesome. (laughs) It's such a word to like, literally everything just seems like tick, tick, tick. She's got it all. But like when you um, have like a down day, Mm -hmm. um, which everybody does, how do you bounce back? And how do you talk to yourself to get through those moments?
1: I have certain things that are like my safety blanket so if I'm having a really down day um, I'll take myself to bed obviously sometimes it's not that easy in a work day or whatever but in the evening like I know that when I'm in bed I relax I lie down I snuggle I feel my feelings I cry whatever it might be. I had a, a bit of a depressive episode earlier this year just had a massive crash as soon as new year hit because everyone was talking about new year's goals and I felt like an absolute failure and I was really low for about six to eight weeks. Um, And it wasn't until one of my friends said, Steph, this has been a really long one, that I actually bounced out of it and actually started getting therapy again earlier this year. But I noticed in that six to eight weeks, whenever I felt low, I took myself to bed. And I spoke about it to my therapist and I said, I'm so scared of taking myself to bed now because to me that that is failure. And she was like, no, it's not, it's safety. When you felt low and you felt like you weren't showing up in the world, you kind of recoiled into your bed, into your bedroom because that was your safe place. You were gaining privacy. You were processing your thoughts to recharge and go out again. So now if ever I feel myself going into that more depressed, low arousal state rather than high arousal mindset, I take myself to bed and I accept that and I allow myself to feel those feelings and know that I won't live there. So it's from hindsight of looking at my down days and seeing what brought me comfort in those down days. What can I use now to process, recharge, and bounce back. Same with foods, like, yes, I eat healthily majority of the time, but if ever I'm feeling a bit shit, I love the plant-based bird's eye chicken nuggets with so much ketchup. Ben and Jerry's vegan ice cream, like there's so many comfort foods that aren't seen as healthy, but I still enjoy them one thing I'm so aware of is is sitting in a situation like this and being like I'm sober I'm plant-based I love talking about mindfulness I sound like such a bellend like honestly I I hate the way that it comes across but it's something that has taken years of me working out what's good for me what's good for my mindset and that's just what happens like you don't have to go to those extremes Mm. I know people that maybe plant-based during the week and go out for a steak on the weekend and that's their balance it's so personal to every individual so I hope I'm, I'm not coming across. No, as an no. That's one thing that
0: I love about you and I noticed <laughs> that when we met you at the wellness festival there is an element that you could run the risk of just being kind of one-dimensional but what I like about you is that you're cool with it like and you're not doing it from a place of sort of
1: like self- superiority yeah super superiority you're yeah.
0: doing it in, in a way that that was, this has been right for you it might not be right for everybody else when you say about being sort of at one with your emotions and and but how do you get to the point because sometimes I'm I, I've been doing it recently going right if I feel down I just feel down and that's cool and I'm just going to accept it and feel it. But then if you literally just wallow in those emotions for too long, like Mm. how do you kind of, I don't know. I I don't know if I'm, I keep hearing people saying that it's okay to feel those emotions, Mm -hmm. but if you're feeling for too long, they can just keep you where you are. So sometimes is it not better just to sort of, Compartmentalize those emotions, put them somewhere else, and just carry on moving. Or do you think they just they come back out? Um,
1: I do think they come back around when you don't have time for them. Right. Or that's just for my personal experience. But
0: I ah, also deal with it in the moment.
1: I think so. That's, it it can yeah. be hard to do that. Don't get me wrong. And and one mistake that I massively made in my early years of social media is when I was in those dark moments, I'd speak about it in the moment, and I thought, yeah, this is this is good because I'm speaking about my emotions. I'm being raw. I'm being vulnerable. I've not done that for a while. So when I was a bit down earlier this year, I didn't really speak about it. I was showing up less on social media because I didn't want to come on and be fake or whatever. But I heard this podcast and it was like, that's emotional broadcasting. That's not vulnerability. Vulnerability is talking to your parent, your close friend, opening up to them and, and actually asking for advice rather than shouting into the abyss, getting validation, quick validation from people that are probably in a similar sense of self or, or similar wow, mindset. I so much... <laughs> It's not to be exposing anything like that, but it's something that I've realized recently, like you get these people validating you, so then you pour more of your emotions out, which means you're holding less privacy for yourself to process those emotions. You get more validation, but then you also get people sharing their anecdotes or or really dark times they've been through, or if people are in those dark times, and then suddenly you're so open, you're taking all of that on, and then you feel lower and you feel exhausted. So now like, yes, I feel my emotions, But I do have a really core network of people around me that can help me out of that. And it's also learning those things of of just finding those ways that when you're feeling low, what will bring you back out? Is it a day in bed? Is it compartmentalizing it until you're ready to talk about it the next week? Is hindsight what you need in that situation? I know that I'm speaking of from a, a sense of privilege in terms of speaking that I get therapy, but there's amazing charities out there like Big Moose in Cardiff, for example. They fund people's therapy. If they need it, you message them. And sometimes within 24 hours, you've got a meeting with a therapist completely funded by them. That is something that like speaking about it, I'm not saying sit at home and say to yourself, I'm crying. Why am I crying? What will make me feel better? That's not always easy. But a week, two weeks, three weeks later, maybe being like, oh, Three weeks ago, I felt like really, really bad, the lowest I've ever felt, why? And there's a form of therapy that I started earlier this year called Human Givens, and it speaks all about those nine emotional needs, and there's a list that you can even Google, you don't have to go through the Human Givens system, but you can look at those needs and say, okay, what's not being met right now? Is it my privacy? Am I being too open with people? Am I giving people too much of my time? Or... Is it I don't have someone close to me that I can speak to? Is it I don't feel like I'm part of a community? And you can look at those nine things and try and analyse in your life what needs a shift. And from there, at least you'll be able to have some stepping stones out of the dark place. You might not suddenly be in beaming sunshine, but you'll be a little bit higher than you are.
0: Wow. It's all just about kind of processing, like how you are feeling? And I think what you just said then about emotional broadcasting, that's something that I tend to do a lot. And I feel like sometimes I do it because I'm trying to, again, it comes back to, I'm trying to prove myself that, I'm not a phony, I'm because I put out this positive energy all the time. Yeah. It's almost like, I don't want someone to kind of judge me when they actually see that I'm not. When really it goes back to my insecurity that I just need to be confident with who I am and not worry about what everybody else thinks.
1: But also don't discredit yourself because obviously we've, we've met a few times now, but the impression I get from you is you've got a big heart and you want to make a lot of people happy. Mm. So there's probably a part of you that is thinking, not that I'm trying to mm. overanalyze right. you, but I think you're probably showing it from such a beautiful place of like, there's other people that are feeling this way. So me talking about it is actually really empowering. Mm. And it is, but just make sure you have time for yourself first mm. to then, cause then you'll be able to shout about it even louder mm. and help people more because you'll be full up again.
0: Yeah, um, but I think
1: it probably does come from a good place.
0: I think that's a really good piece of advice to end this podcast on. I'm just really grateful that you've, you've come and joined me today. And I think you are literally the perfect role model for this new generation of people coming through life. Because I feel like if I had someone like you to look up to when I was younger, then I probably wouldn't have wasted pretty much all my 20s just literally getting steaming and, and just getting into the wrong circles, if I'm honest. Don't get me wrong. I have to trust the process. I made yeah. some amazing contacts and everything else. But I just feel like you make wellness and self-development cool. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be
1: called cool. I'll yeah, take that. Thank you. Are you
0: are cool, 100%. <laughs> so, yeah, I just think you've done some incredible work. You should be so proud of what you've done. Thank you. um, I definitely need to. We need to do something together. We're State, 100%. we Stay Sassy. i um, love like I definitely need to go and check out um, the Enough app. And, um, yeah, I just wanted to say thank you for inspiring me on a daily basis and, and for joining me on the podcast as well. Thank you. Amazing. Oh, Steph is just one of those people that you just need in your life on a daily basis. She's just so wholesome, so positive. And she does it from a place of passion and just authenticity as well. It doesn't come across superior. It's just like, listen, I've been through something, I've overcome it. And this led her to where she is now. And I just think it's really powerful how she describes that despite going through a really tough time, you can always find a way to kind of power through but do it in a way that's right for you don't put too much pressure on yourself just baby steps like you don't have to go plant based you don't have to go and do run a marathon just do little baby steps that are right for you and you will find a way out of it so I just want to say a massive thank you to Steph an incredible episode so please continue to share like, follow wherever you listen to your podcast And don't forget to Instagram me at scott.thomas with any of your takeaways from the podcast. And I will see you next week for another life lesson.